Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Life is pressing down. There's not a better time than to lift him up. When you've gone left and you should have went right, can you call on him in the middle of your crossroad? Can you say Yahweh when? Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, 11 o'clock. Can you say Yahweh when? Right here? Right now. I'll say it is. You say what it is. It is? It is? Sometimes you just got to call it what it is. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm, when you're in the middle of a heartache, when your heart is broken, that's the time it's hard to call on Yahweh. But when you call on an almighty God who's faithful and just, he'll come right then and see about you. Amen? Yeah, that's the kind of God that we serve. He's a right now God. He, it is? When we think about who God is and his character, that God's character, he is Yahweh, he is Elohim. That means God is able to create something out of nothing. That's just who he is. So when you're struggling and you don't know where the next blessing is going to come from, when you don't know whether or not your needs is going to be met, whether that child is going to really be able to, to get out of that trouble, when you get that phone call late at night, I wonder if you might call on Yahweh. Call on Elohim, call on the one who sits high but look low. At some point, we got to know who he is for ourselves. We call on God, I think we ought to call him by his name. Some of you know him because it is, the Bible describes part of his character as El Elyon. That is, he's the most high God. That's part of his character and he's able, while he sits high, to come and see just about you. And meet you right where you are. Amen? Amen? That's the kind of God that we serve. He is El Shaddai, strong and mighty. He's the Lord of hosts, the captain of the army. God is big and bad enough to do anything he wants to do. It was in Numbers 21. It is. It was in Numbers 21 that the children of Israel had just had just been successful in battle. And God was leading them to the Red Sea. They was going to head to Canaan. And it was during that time that the journey took a little longer than they had anticipated. And became impatient. And they spoke against Moses and they spoke against God. Why would you bring us out of Egypt that we might die in the wilderness? And by the way, we're tired of all this horrible manna. We're tired of eating all this manna. And they raised their voices against the Lord, against God. God sent a poisonous snake within the camp, and many were bitten and many died because they raised their voices against God. And then again, went to Moses, and they cried out to Moses and to God and said, 
Moses, we're sorry. Pray unto God that he might heal us. Pray unto him and let him know that we're sorry. Moses prayed unto God, and God was able to tell Moses, he said, look, make a replica of the poisonous snake and put it on a pole. So Moses made a replica out of bronze, and he put it on the pole, and he lifted it up. And God said, whoever look upon the, upon the bronze snake, they shall be healed. Bible says, look and live. It's the same thing today when we think about Jesus. What he wants more than anything is whether or not we're going to believe in who he is. He says, believe and accept that I have come and I've sent my son that whoever believes and accepts him has the right to become a son or a daughter. Sometimes it's too simple. Bible says back in the wilderness, look and live. Now it says, believe and accept. So the question this morning is, what do you believe about your God? Do you believe that he's a God that can pick you up when you're down? you believe that he's a God that can come and see about you when you're sick? Do you believe that he's a God that can take you by the hand and lead you from here to there? He is the one when you crossed over from death to life. He is the one that paid it all. Amen? Sometimes the idea of what do you believe about your God, where do you put all your trust? Who are you leaning on this morning? When you think about your three to five people that's in your inner circle, the people that you talk to most time, the people that you hang out with, who are those people? What are they talking about? What are you listening to? And what are you saying? Because at some level, if you look at those three to five people that's in your circle, those are people who are going to determine where you're going. Who are you hanging out with? What are you talking about? Because this morning, I want us to have a life-changing conversation. But it has to do with, first of all, what do you believe about your God? Oftentimes, the caution is to be careful not to blame God when you don't get what it is that you pray for. A lot of times, the issue is we're looking for whatever God can do. We're calling on his name, and when God doesn't answer, don't mean he still ain't God. He's still God. God is not just a genie in a bottle that every time we need something, we can call on his name, and if he don't answer, then it's his fault. Most times, it's self-inflicted wounds. Sometimes we get ourselves in a situation. Then we call upon the name of the Lord, but we can't blame God. We got to believe that God is who he says he is. Amen? What do you believe about your God? Do you have the assurance that he's able to do all things? This morning, I just believe that there is an opportunity to listen and to hear the word of God fresh. And I don't think it's often have to be profound. I don't think it has to be something that is uh, spiritually profound. Sometimes the simplest things. Allow us to grasp it. Allow us to, to take it in and be able to walk down that road. So this morning, it's just, just three things. I just want to highlight God's love. I want to highlight eternal life and the importance of walking in light. Those three things, the love, the life, and the light. But before that, what I thought I might do is just walk through the Bible. If you don't mind, I got a couple of verses I want to read. And I'm going to let the word be the word. Amen. And so to start off, uh, the purpose of John, uh, the gospel of John, is found in uh, John 20, verses 30 and 31. 
And so I want to read that because I think it's relevant to where we're going this morning. And if you don't mind, I'm going to get my glasses out because I'm, I'm of that age. Amen. 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 God is good. So if you're following with me, we're going we're gonna to look at it. Actually, it's right here. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs. And in addition to the ones recorded in this book, he did many miraculous signs. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. It is written so that we might believe. So I thought I'd go back to verse, to chapter 1. If you would walk with me. And I want to read this for you and let the word be the word. Amen. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word, him, the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. The light shines in darkness. And so no matter what your situation is, no matter what it is you're going through, no matter how dark the night, when the light shines in your situation, darkness cannot overcome the light. The light always makes room. It goes on chapter 1. It says, listen, it said, there was a man that was sent by God, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. So, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. It says that John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, he was coming. In fact, he's here now. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's here now. Amen. So look, he came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came unto his own, and his own received them not. Then the Bible says, it says, but to all who believed to him, he gave and ex- believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. All of what is being written in the Gospel of John is so that you and I might believe. All the miraculous signs, all of the, all of the life-changing conversations, like the woman at the well, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, like the woman caught in adultery, all those life-changing conversations so that we might understand and believe that he is who he says he is. Amen? And so this morning, just for a little while, life-changing conversation. And I think that what I would desire is that there is not only the written word, 
when it says that the word became flesh, not only the written word that came into the, to the world, but that there's a rhema, there's an opportunity that there's a right here, right now word. There's somebody right now that God will move on your heart, that God will whisper in your ear, that there will be something that stirs up in you, that this word will be just for you. That you'll be able to take this back and allow yourself to, to bask and bathe in that word so that it make a difference in your life. Right here? Right now. Rhema. As a backdrop, I want to use Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a part of this conversation. In John chapter 3, it tells us that Nicodemus was a man that was uh, a leader, in, in, as a Pharisee and a leader in the J Jewish council. And Nicodemus came and saw Jesus at night, in the evening, when it was dark. I don't know why he came at night. I don't know why he came undercover. I don't know. I know it was Houdini who said that freaks come out at night. But, I, but that was a long time ago, and that was just a song. I don't know why Nicodemus came at night. But you know, it's kind of strange. A lot of stuff happened at night undercover. Amen? Oh, somebody know what I'm talking about. Some, some stuff happened. You don't go out in the daytime to do certain things. Some things you only, okay, I'm a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but if, we, if we're being honest and have a life-changing conversation, some stuff we're doing, we ought to not be doing at night, amen? amen? Some things we ought to do in the light so that it could be clear and it can seen exactly what we're doing. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. So whatever it is, for whatever reason, Nicodemus came at night. I don't know if he was afraid being on the Jewish council and maybe surrounded by some folks who maybe not believe the way he believes. Maybe he's got family members who don't really believe the way he believed. He was a believer, but he came at night. I don't know how you came and why, you know, if you came undercover. I don't know if you came and there's some fear, some trepidation. I don't know. I don't know if he came and he was at night because he was ashamed. But for whatever reason, it didn't matter because Jesus welcomed him. And so I want you to know that there is a reason why you're here today. And whatever reason you came. Like Nicodemus, you're welcome. But here's the story. When Nicodemus came, he said, teacher, rabbi, he said, it's obvious that you are the Messiah. It's evident by all these miraculous signs that you're doing. So Jesus don't even address it. Jesus goes right to the juggler. He said, look, he said, I tell you the truth. There comes a time when it's cool to kind of get riled up and get fired up about the joy of the Lord, and it is important to know that there is joy in serving an almighty God. More than anything, what we need to help us is the truth. We just need the unadulterated word of God. So that's why I'm reading today. I'm going to give you my opinion, but right now I want to stay in the book. Amen? And so in it, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the truth. And here's what he says. He says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom. Unless you are born again, unless you've given your heart and your life, unless you are renewed and regenerated, unless we are reborn, we can't even see the kingdom. And as the children of God, oftentimes it is good and sobering for us to push what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean for us to be a child of a king? That's why a life-changing conversation sometimes is necessary. Because there's all kind of stuff we listen to. 
But can we listen to the word of God? So here's what Jesus tells him. He says, look, first of all, Nicodemus responds, how can an old man go back and enter to his mother's womb and be born again? And it seems like, what kind of question is that, Nicodemus? Aren't you a leader of the Sanhedrin Council? What are you talking about? But there are many of us don't fully understand what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be born again. Sometimes we're still searching, but we're not asking. Nicodemus is asking, what do you mean? In the word of God, it says here, Jesus replied, he's speaking right to us. He says, look, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That for all of us, we all have our natural birth. But what we're talking about is a, a spiritual heavenly rebirth, that our minds are renewed, our hearts are renewed. There's something about our ways we don't live and do the same things we used to do. We are wrapped up in this fleshly nature, but when we get born again, the spirit man, the spirit woman takes over and we begin to walk in the newness of life. We can't be comfortable doing what we used to do. We can't keep walking the way we used to walk. We can't keep having the same conversations. There's some evidence when you've been born again. There's a lifestyle change. You can't be comfortable going, sashaying in those same places. You can't be comfortable calling that same person, picking up that same call. There's something new that's happening in your life. No matter how many times Nicodemus would have been born of the flesh, a hundred times he still would have not been in a place where he could see the kingdom. Only a spiritual, heavenly renewing regeneration is needed, only by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Jesus is talking about it. He says, like the wind. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it gathers all its power. You can hear it, but you can't see it. You can see the effects of it, but you don't know what happened. That's why you can't determine who's got this Holy Spirit and who don't. Some of us can raise our hands. We can jump up and down and just all excited about the beat and the music and the rhythm. Some of us can be so quiet and their hearts are burning with the Holy Ghost inside. You don't know where it is and where it's coming from. But you know the impact. Jesus says to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, he said, look, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it's coming from. He said, you, can, you can't even explain how people are born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, that, how is that possible? And that's where we get caught up, trying to make sense of it all. We get caught up because it doesn't fit science. It does not fit logic. It does not fit my theology. It does not fit how I was raised. It doesn't take all that, this, that, and the other, and we get caught up. How is this possible? When plainly Jesus is saying, if you don't be born again of water and of the Spirit, you can't even get to the kingdom. It is? It's tight. As a reminder to us 
that we are involved in this conversation. Nicodemus went for one thing, but he got something else. And he ain't done. Keep walking. Jesus replied, he said, you are a respected leader in the Sanhedrin council. And you don't understand what I'm trying to say? He said, I'm giving you everything that I've done and I've seen. He said, I'm telling you pretty plainly. He said, if you can't understand earthly things, Chad, how do you understand spiritual things? Sometimes I think God desires to show us more. God desires to show more of the gift of the moving of the Holy Spirit. But we're so caught up in the earthly things that we can't go to the heavenly realms. But I believe that, that sometimes, just like in the text, there's a fresh wind blowing in Hobelum. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it came from, but it's here, amen. I just believe there's, God is up to something, and we can't put our finger on it. We don't know necessarily how to, to capture it. All we got to do is put up a sail and ride the wind. So Jesus says all this to him, and I don't know, we're going to get where we're going because we got some time at 11. So he says, he said, look, he said, he said, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man. <laughs> and he's the one that has come down from heaven. He's the one that's telling you all that is that you need to know. He said, but, he said, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole of the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus said, if I'll be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men, all women, all boys and girls unto me. The same way that they lifted up the bronze snake and said, look and live, Jesus says, lift me up. And when you do, believe and say, I'll heal your land. So this morning, Nicodemus gives us the backdrop because that's the dialogue in a life-changing conversation. So in our text, we get to that place. And in the text, the very familiar, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten. Not because we deserved it, because we earned it, because, because we were because we were so good, he gave us his only begotten son. John, this is where you would say, if that's Jesus, you better answer it. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, if that's Jesus, you better answer it. It's a free gift. Sometimes, again, it seems so profound, but it's not. Like, part of the foundation, like, we know this text very well, that God gave us his son, Jesus, he says to us, he says, so that everyone, whosoever, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Thank you. If you're here today and you didn't understand what it means to be born again, and we got some more preaching and you didn't know and understand that God came not to condemn you. We're all flawed and have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have missed the mark. But God has come to save and not to condemn. Stop condemning yourself. 
Accept the love that God has come to give. Whatever it is, seek him. Ask God to tear down the walls of condemnation. Tear down the walls of those who've made you feel you're not good enough. Tear down the wall. And how do you tear down the wall? We lift him high. Yahweh, Yahweh. Come on. Yahweh, Yahweh. Please don't have me sing. <laughs> Jesus. All right, listen. All right. Life-changing conversation. For God so loved the world. We know this. What does a, a life-changing conversation look like? Sometimes, Evian, it just looks like, hello. Somebody walk in, their life is a mess. You see him in the grocery line, life is out of control. But there is an unction, there is something that's stirring in you. And you know it's God because the spirit of God lives in you. And God desires to use us to be a blessing unto each other. And so sometimes a life-changing conversation, Bonnie, looks like, hello. Is there anything that I can do to make sure that you feel welcomed? Sometimes, can I just, let me get that for you. What is your name? Listen, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about life. Sometimes, yes, we get to a place to where we can make the connections. We get to a place to where we can serve. But sometimes we got to break the mold. Sometimes the enemy has got us all wrapped up. We don't see the journey. We don't see the, the opportunity to cross from death to life. It's right there. God says that I'm in your shade. He's right. I'm the shade on your right hand. He says, I'm so close, and I want to use you. Listen, today, if, God, if you feel the, the, the whispering of God that's to say help somebody else, maybe some water, some plant, maybe it's time for you to bring increase. Can you just be obedient and love? All of these, it does not rejoice. I like number six. It does not, love does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Uh, we'll come back to that one. For God so loved the world, John 12, 30 and 31. So there was, uh, it says, you must love the Lord your God. It should be Mark 12. This right here. It should be Mark 12. There was a conversation with um, some lawyers and he was trying to entrap Jesus and it was asking him about the greatest commandment. And Jesus gave it to him. He said, look, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor. And love your neighbor. We know this, but God says he's calling us this for a life-changing conversation. Amen? Amen. There's an accuser. Revelations 12 and 10. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that's in our hearts and in our minds. He's trying to get us to, to think that we're not worthy enough, that, that really, truly, he's just come straight to condemn. He's the one that says he's like a prosecutor who will always find fault. Satan is the one. He's like always pointing and, and the finger and, and causing blame. He's the one that's making us feel like we're so unworthy. He's the accuser of the brethren. But I'll stop by to tell somebody, there's now, therefore, no more condemnation. You don't have to be condemned. Romans 8, 1 tells, but also John 3, 18. In our text, there is no judgment against anyone who believes. 
who trusts, who tries and have assurance, who keeps going. Whether you get what you're praying for or not, you understand who he is, that he is who he says he is. That for them, there's no judgment. It says that, but anyone who does not believe in him, you're already condemned. We're already judged. But it's based upon our belief. Right here, right now, not here, not now. We're not judged because we want to believe in the one who came from up high and came down low. The one who came to set the captive free. That's who Jesus is. There's therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1 tells us, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can you set your, can you just like, can you just shake those shackles off? Can you just free yourself up? Can you accept the love that God has come to give and know that there's no more shackles? We don't have to remain entangled and bonded by, by our past. The world will condemn us. God does not. A life-changing conversation changed what we're talking about. Changed how we think of who we are and whose we are. And then finally, Jesus is the light of the world. In our text, verse 19, it says, and the judgment is based on this fact. It says we want some facts. A lot of times we want, you know, thank God for feelings. It's good to feel his presence. But oftentimes we're not saved based upon our feelings. It's about facts. And the fact is, God's light came into the world. But people love darkness more than the light for their actions are evil. What people are we talking about? Come on, Larry. Me and you, Larry. Me, you, and Jeff. Our sin nature is, is like gratified. I see you, chemo. Gratified by darkness. That's our nature. That's why Jesus had to come so the Holy Spirit can help us overcome the darkness. That's why we no longer are bound to the darkness. That those who accept Jesus, we can walk in the light, and the light has overcome the darkness. That's why he had to come. He's like, well, Pastor Brown, I knew that before I came. He says, come to the light. Walk in the light. Stay in the light because that's where you can show that you are doing the things that God has called you to do. It's the dark places of our lives. When we lose somebody, depression sets in. When we get angry and bitterness and we can't get beyond that that person said a thing or did a thing, darkness starts to creep in. When we have some, some lack in our lives, we can't put the bills together. We can't, our children are wayward. Our mom is dead. My daddy left me and gone. Darkness sets in. That's the time to double down and to call on the almighty God and look into the hills when it's come of our help because all our help comes from him. All who do evil hate the light. All who do evil, what are you thinking about? What are you talking about? Who are you listening to? What conversation are you having? The life-changing conversation is once you know the truth. When you walk in the newness of life, there's no condemnation. We might fall. We might slip up. We might miss the mark. But in Jesus, there's now no condemnation. But when we love walking in darkness, we're already condemned. 
Walk in the light. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who, who should I be afraid of? He says, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why am I trembling? Do you know him as, the, as your light and your salvation? Walk in the light. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, look, I am the light of the world in John 8. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. Who are you following? Like today, when we leave here. Are you free? You're living free? Don't mean all the bills are going to be paid. I mean all this stuff, issues going to go away. But are we living free? Because at some point, if we can't understand the earthly, how are we going to get to the spiritual? And he's saying to all of us, he come to set us free. Life-changing conversations, decisive shift in your situation. It's a moment of truth. It's a critical change for good. A life-changing conversation is an important moment that alters a person's future. It's a divine encounter with God. But it's based upon what you believe. Life-changing conversation. I would like for us to consider this, and I'm going to lean into this a little bit. This is a part of what we're doing here, part of our mission vision. It's not to eradicate racism. We don't, we're not the experts. But we know we need to have life-changing conversations. And so I'm going to ask you to think about, pray about, if you would make an effort to move beyond comfortability and get to a loving space of vulnerability. At 6 o'clock on Tuesday, we're going to show this documentary, and we have some folks from our, from our congregation who's just going to share a perspective. We're not the experts. We won't fix all the problems. But can we keep talking about it? Can we keep going to a space and a place where we're not becoming blind to it? And as the people of God, as the people of God, can we continue to come in knowing that we're going to make certain that everybody feel welcomed? That's this Tuesday. The following Tuesday, Simon Estes is going to be here. This is a series every Tuesday for the next four Tuesdays. Come and, ha- come and listen to this legend. Google him, and I guarantee you, Google Wikipedia, there's no place can, can hold him. He's got so much that he's impacted this world. And he's coming. He's here. He's coming. And he's going to share his life during civil rights and during segregation. And we're going to listen. And we're going to learn. And we're going to challenge ourselves. Not because we are black and white church coming in. No, because we're the people of God. Amen. And then, three Sundays later, we're going to have, we're going to honor our um, Asian Americans that were a part of this church. And we're going to spend some time there. And then we're going to have our youth come. And we're going to spend some time there. Amen. All right. So what about Nicodemus? Did he ever believe? Did he ever? He was bewildered. What about him? What happened? After Jesus died on the cross in John 19, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, because he feared the Jewish leaders, much like Nicodemus, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. And with him came Nicodemus. And Nicodemus 
the man who had come to Jesus at night, and he brought 70, what is it, 75 pounds of perfume and ointment? I guarantee you that wasn't at night. He came boldly. Are we ready to be bold? Are we ready to believe, even if we're bewildered, and stand on the word of God? Simple. He came and gave us his best, his love, so that we can have eternal life. And once we walk, get eternal, we have to walk in the newness of life by walking in the light. Amen? Amen. Will you stand and join us for worship? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.